Hey, Valiants. This is Kelsey, and you're listening to Valiantly Spoken. Today, I'm talking with Bobby Weber, class of 1962, about her career in early childhood education and development. So, Bobby, why don't you start off with telling us how you got into the work of early childhood education? Well, um, it's it it's funny because um, I I had a degree in political science because I wanted to be sure that I wasn't in a female occupation. I wanted to do something. Uh, I didn't want to be categorized and labeled. But uh, we were newly married and brand new in Madison, Wisconsin. And at church, um, one of the uh, other members of the congregation uh, told me about a new program that was opening. It was brand new. The community had created a board of directors and they had no staff, but they were going to open a childcare center that had federal funding to be sure that they could take care of low-income children. And um, so I'm one of 10 children and had nephews and nieces by the time I was about 10. Uh, And so I had always been surrounded by children. (laughs) And in my arrogance, I thought, I could do that, <laughs> and I applied and went through the interview to be the director of a brand new child care center, and I remember coming home and saying to my brand new husband, they're not going to hire me because I have the wrong degree, and they're wrong, the arrogance of youth. Anyway, and they uh, called and offered me the job. And so I went through this intense learning period. Luckily, one of the people on the board was a faculty member in early childhood at the University of Wisconsin. And um, she just mentored me intensely all through that first process. But I, I did it. Uh, open, hired staff, opened a facility, equipped a facility. Um, hired staff, actually hired very good staff. And, um, and we were full and it worked. And um, that program is still going. And uh, the, that board of directors actually ended up opening about four or five centers. I was just opened the first one of them. Um, anyway, uh, I never, uh, that was it. That was it. That was it for the rest of my life. I uh, quickly went back and got a master's degree in child development. <laughs> um, it does help a lot <laughs> to um, have the educational background. So when we made your video to highlight you as our Distinguished Alumni Award winner for this year, Uh, That video had a lovely list of all of the things that you had been able to do in your career. So can you give us just a 
brief overview of those things and what you were able to do during your career? So I started out as a practitioner and uh, with the start, uh, starting that childcare center and then became uh, somewhat involved in research, but also as a practitioner, when we moved back to Oregon, I got, um, started doing parent education and, be and became the director of a large program. Uh, we did parent education, early childhood teacher training, uh, all kinds of family support programs. Um, and uh, I did that for 25 years and uh, as an administrator. And all the time was uh, very interested in research. And what happened uh, is I uh, actually wrote a proposal and got a researcher from the universe, uh, Portland State University hired to answer some childcare questions. It's interesting, back then in the early 90s, Oregon didn't even know how many children were in childcare. We had no idea how many people were uh, working in the field. We didn't have any idea of how many programs there were. Anyway, we knew very, very little. And um, so I worked with his, uh, this professor, got him funded, and he, he did the research, but I was his partner. And then quickly after that, we um, got, because of what we had done, we got a national grant, and we were part of um, a uh, multi-site national uh, research endeavor, and then... <laughs> That led into a huge federal grant where we um, were also doing research. So I went for years uh, running a program and doing research. And um, then Art Emlin was his name, that is his name, from Portland State said, I really, I'm going to retire and I'm not going to do this anymore. So then there was nobody in Oregon who had the research skills. So I got my PhD and I was still running those programs while I um, started my PhD. And then uh, at some, you know, 2002, I said, no, I'm just gonna be a researcher. And I switched. I, so I had been doing both for a long time. And then I um, did. And this whole time, I was involved in national efforts that, in fact, I'm still working on projects that date back to, the, to that research we were doing in the 90s, trying to understand very, uh, some very basic things about the families and the children and the programs that are designed to support them. And uh, also um, some more complicated things. The, the United States has created a, uh, the, a program that's designed to help low-income families pay for childcare. And uh, uh, that was started in 1995. And I, uh, have been doing research on that program. So that more specifically. So a lot of the uh, 
organ the activities I've been involved in is are just uh, efforts with other practitioners and researchers to understand the challenges facing families, the impacts that these challenges are having on children, and uh, how the programs that we design to support them do or do not do what they're intended to do. And so I could name all those organizations, but they are either state level or national level organizations of people coming together uh, to try and make things better for young children and their families. Is there any really big or particularly interesting findings that you have um, come to through this research? Well, this, this one's kind of a sad one, um, but um, the, that childcare subsidy program I was talking about, we discovered that because of the way it is administered, families come in and stay for a very short period of time. So, and then they're back out. And the children, on average, are with a provider for about three months. So we're spending a lot of money and not changing the trajectory for either the child or the parents. So I've done a lot of research on uh, employment outcomes of parents who do and don't receive the subsidy or tweaking childcare assistance programs in, what, in different ways to see then do we get uh, more stability for the children and employment stability for the parents and, um, and uh, are the children are in arrangements that are more likely to support their development and not just being tossed from one place to another place. And um, so that problem, uh, I mean, we got, uh, they used our research in writing national legislation to try and, well, because I was working with researchers across the country, we found out Oregon had the worst problem, but we weren't the only state. That there were that the program itself was um, encouraging uh, policies and practices that ended up creating this revolving door where for families. So I mean, think about it. You, you go to get some help, and it only lasts a few months. You're not any better off, and you might be worse off. In fact, there was. Uh, one research study of low-income families have found that families who used the subsidy program were worse off because of the instability. So anyway, um, there was a, in 2014, Congress cre uh, revised the program and quoted our research multiple times in writing the new law. 
So I guess that stands out because you don't, researchers don't usually get to see such a direct line from their work to a change that affects people all over the country. And do you think that the, the change has been beneficial? All the way there, no. In an ideal world, what would you like to see? Oh, I'd like us to care about children and families. <laughs> we don't. And um, I, I'd like us to believe that our success depended on their success, regardless of the color of their skin or the education level of their parents um, or the economic conditions in which uh, they live and, and maybe all the way going back through several generations. But we have a very unequal system and uh, a lot of children are being harmed. And I, I think most people know this, but um, what happens in the first few years of life has a major influence on what will happen to you all the way through uh, adulthood. And so not caring for young children and their families is really bad for all of us. It's really uh, short-sighted. Half of uh, Oregon's children are, about half, are born um, into the Medicaid program, meaning their families are that poor. And money, I mean, it sounds, uh, but a lot of research shows that families who receive assistance in the early years, especially the first three, um, the children do better all the way through adulthood. There are studies that have tracked people going back to um, the very first Social Security help that we gave families in the 30s and tracking those people with uh, comparison groups. Anyway, uh, it doesn't have to be this way. So if you could have all of the parents out there know one thing, what would it be? That they're the most important part of their child's life. Uh, nothing comes even close. We measure the impact of early childhood or K-12 or whatever, nothing, nothing comes as close as parents. So um, I'd like them to know that. I'd like them to know um, that they're plenty good enough <laughs> that they have what the children need. Sure, they can learn more, and I hope they do. We all, um, we all do. But um, trust themselves, uh, know they're important, trust, trust themselves, and then uh, look out <laughs> for what they believe to be best for the child and, um, and do the things that will uh, support the child's development. I don't know. There's, that's come to my mind. Read to them. I mean, that sounds so simple, but um, 
uh, reading to a child every day is a huge, has a huge effect on um, other things that come later. So it's like, that's pretty easy. <laughs> um, you may not be able to afford books, but Oregon has great libraries. And they're even doing things so that during COVID, you know, they're making it possible for us to get books. So if anyone listening to this podcast is curious about resources or where to get information, is there anywhere you can direct them? Oh, there's so many. There uh, is an organization called the Oregon Parent Education Collaborative, OPAC, um, that supports parenting education programs all, all across the state. And um, if they contact it, they could get connected with all kinds of resources in their community. And what's really nice about that is especially when your children are very young is to connect and get to know other people and one another. We, uh, at the community college where I ran all those early childhood programs, the part of the parent education program is some, a series of classes we call living and learning with living and learning with your baby living and learning with your toddler anyway and um i still people come up to me in the community and they're still close friends with the people they connected with in living and learning with your baby that was the class i taught um it can make a huge difference in in somebody's life to not be alone. And especially where people are often at quite a distance from their biological family. And so they can't have that kind of warm, supportive, daily interaction. So getting connected with other people who are uh, also raising young children can pay off in so many different ways. And uh, so I think uh, finding ways to connect with other young families, uh, with other people who are uh, also supporting young children can, uh, can help. Uh, and those can be totally informal they don't have to be through a class uh, you can create your own play group um, you can just have times in the park together I mean there are all kinds of things that families do to support their children and themselves and parenting is hard work uh, and it takes a lot of skill well this is a nice story <laughs> When I was at the community college, brand new, hadn't been there very long. Anyway, um, it was the the question was kind of how serious should the state take teaching parents? And we had a board member at Lynn Batten Community College who um, was totally in agreement with us that this was important. So we went through, he, let, he and the administration let, went through and fought that 
parent education would be treated as a vocational class and not just as you know something that you might want to do for enrichment um, and um, that was really important because it put the classes we did into a different category we were teaching people uh, the skills they needed for parenting just as somebody was teaching electrical work or you know all the, all, all the other vocations and uh, that program is still going strongly in uh, Lynn and Benton counties. And what are the ways that we can all contribute to make parents' lives easier? There are so many things we can do. When you're in a grocery store, not COVID, and you're in a grocery store and a child's acting out, smile at the parent. Just let them know. They haven't done anything wrong. They just have a toddler. The child hasn't done anything wrong either. He's probably tired or hungry or whatever. But just, I mean, just little things. Don't get discouraged. Is there anything else you'd like to share with our podcast listeners? Yeah, I will say this. I was thinking as I was um, thinking about having this conversation with you. One of the real joys of the work I fell into was how consistent my life was. So whether it was being a parent or whether it was working in my parish, we created something, a group of families, we created something called family education or creating summer conference or doing all the professional work I did. It was all trying to do the same thing. It was just different ways of doing it. And I thought that was a real gift to have been given the ability to have the same focus in um, my life, no matter which part of my life I was in. And if you were going to sum that up nicely, what would that be? Supporting children and families to be the best they can be. Well, thanks so much for joining us, Bobby. Valiantly Spoken is sponsored by your Alumni Advisory Committee. We'll see you next time.